You're listening to Joey's Totally Tech, your tech podcast. In 1981, an arcade machine supposedly appeared in the Portland arcade scene. Believed to be a government-run psychology experiment, the game supposedly produced psychoactive and addictive effects. Some of these arcade machines were even said to have been visited by men in black for data mining purposes in analyzing the effects. And then, the machine disappeared. So what's the deal with this game known as Polybius? Find out more on the Halloween edition of Joey's Totally Tech. The year is 1981 in Portland, Oregon. People are spending their quarters on popular titles like Space Invaders, Galaxian, Galaga, Donkey Kong, Frogger, and more. And then, a plain black arcade cabinet with no name appeared. The game involved geometric patterns and colorful shapes. The game was insanely addictive and hypnotic. It was quite likely dangerous, too. After playing this mysterious game, two teenagers had disappeared. Kids were having seizures and getting sick. Other kids were addicted, and long lines were forming to play this game. On top of that, men in black were regularly coming to service the machine. Could this machine be a secret government research program that's using gamers as guinea pigs? Could this be part of the CIA's MK Ultra mind control program? Or was the government using the game as a method of recruiting soldiers? At Coin Kingdom, 14-year-old Bobby Feldstein was abducted one afternoon after playing this game and experiencing mind-altering side effects. He was led through underground tunnels and then found the next day over 60 miles away from home in the Tillamook State Forest. Feldstein said another boy was with him, the one who rescued him. Another kid played the game for a while and started getting migraines, and the same day, one kid was coming home from the same arcade and collapsed on someone's lawn. These days, Feldstein gives for-profit Polybius walking tours in Portland, Oregon. He attempts to share his experience by returning to the basement of what was Coin Kingdom. The event was traumatizing to him, and he even told another podcast that focused on Polybius, quote, Doing the tour is a way to exercise my demons on a daily basis, end quote. 
Others like Ernest Klein also talk about Polybius. He heard about it as a teenager in central Ohio. Klein, who wrote the bestsellers Ready Player One and Armada, cites Polybius as an influence in his work. Where did the story start? Many accounts say that the legend originated on Usenet in 1994, or even earlier through word of mouth, but there is no record of this claim ever existing on Usenet or word of mouth. The earliest known mention of the game seems to be from February 6, 2000. A description of this game appeared on coinop.org. The page mentions, quote, This game had a very limited release, one or two backwater arcades in the suburb of Portland. The history of this game is cloudy. There were all kinds of strange stories about how kids who played it got amnesia afterwards, couldn't remember their name or where they lived, etc. End quote. The page goes on to talk about rumors that the game was, quote, supposedly developed by some kind of weird military tech offshoot group, used some kind of proprietary behavior modification algorithms developed for the CIA or something, kids who played it woke up at night screaming, having horrible nightmares, end quote. The page also described how men in black would come and collect records from the machines. They didn't collect quarters or anything, that is collected information about how the game was played, which seemed quite unusual. And then the page tells us about a ROM that showed up for the game. It had the English strings insert coins and press one player start, so it could have been a one or a two player game. It also had the copyright notice, copyright 1981 Sinishloken. In the comments of the page is a person named Stephen Roach, who claimed to be the owner of Sinishloken. He claimed the company worked on printed circuit boards and that they saw programming as a limited but very profitable sideline. He also claimed that they were approached around 1980 by a Southern American company that had to remain nameless for legal reasons to develop an arcade game with a puzzle element that centered around the new approach to video game graphics. And Merrick Vashusek was a programmer that supposedly came up with the name Polybius as he had studied Greek mythology at Masaryk University and also because the name sounded, quote, bold and mysterious, end quote. Quote, we playtested it for hours and hours, and it certainly was an addictive game that was well-loved professionally and recreationally by all that played it. The company couldn't have been happier, and we all thought we were in the verge of something very special indeed. We then received a phone call stating that there were concerns within the company that the basic graphics, which featured prominently in so many other games of the time, were fine for the average gamer to spend hours at a time without any noticeable physical or mental detriments, but the intense and engrossing gameplay of this new step was very much an unknown quantity, so that the game was put back several months due to divided opinion within their board of directors, much to our consternation for breaking our backs to finish it on time. End quote. He also mentioned that they were told the game would receive a temporary limited release, but shortly after, quote, we received terrible news. A 13-year-old boy from the Lloyd District of Portland, Oregon, had suffered an epileptic fit while playing the game only six days after the machines had literally been installed. One of the senior employees that I knew very well contacted me to tell me that it caused immense ripples of panic throughout the company who were on the opinion that they had created a monster as such, end quote. And of course, by this time, kids were already clamoring to play the game. Quote, company directors descended on the town to assess the situation, which may account for these reports of strange men in black suits hanging around, and the students were often taken in daylight 
causing minor but noticeable incidents, end quote. According to the comment, only seven machines were distributed. The company supposedly made a one-off settlement to the boy's family and then disbanded shortly after. However, an update on coinop.org claims that, quote, Stephen Roach is full of himself and knows nothing about the game. We have it on good authority. No, Polybius is not a Tempest prototype. No, Polybius is not a vector game. Does the title screen look vector? No, it does not. We've recently received some new information about the game. Today's May 16th, 2009. And yes, one of us is flying to the Kiev, Ukraine area tomorrow. And yes, the trip is related to the information. Stay tuned. End quote. Despite this, this has gone on to inspire Rogue Synapse's game, which is based on the story. Now, I'm not sure what information on the page they received from whoever they talked to in Kiev, but we do know the name Sinishlokin means sense deletion or senses deleted. We also know Polybius has appeared in pop culture, like in an episode of The Simpsons, where Bart Simpson is in an arcade and a Polybius arcade cabinet is seen. So, did Polybius actually exist? Was there some conspiracy by the government to control minds through the arcade game? Well, let's move on. It should be mentioned that the name Polybius was originally the name of a Greek historian bored in Arcadia. He's ironically known for his assertion that historians should never report what they cannot verify through interviews and witnesses. We've had reports of people getting sick and reports of epileptic fits. Well, there were reports of stories of kids playing certain games like Asteroids and Tempest for 12-hour-long marathons. One reportedly attempted to play the game for 12 hours and drank too much Coca-Cola and got sick. And the person who collapsed on the lawn? Well, they could be anyone who had a bit too much to drink at the arcade. What about Bobby Feldstein's claim that he was abducted? Well, we know from watching the news that children are abducted fairly frequently. It's possible Bobby Feldstein may have gotten away from his abductor, yet it could have been so traumatizing that he just blocked it out of his memory. Or considering he was experiencing mind-altering effects and drug use was common in the arcades at the time, perhaps he had a really bad trip and went on a trip to the Tillamook State Forest in the process. Okay, so let's get to the Men in Black. What's the story there? Well, arcades in the early 1980s were quite shady places. The FBI often ran stings to shut down gambling rings that existed in the arcades. And it's not unusual in certain areas for prototype games to hit arcades. It's quite possible that what people are now calling Polybius was an early prototype of Tempest or a similar game. In short, the game probably didn't exist. And that's not to discount anyone's story. 
there were lots of real things that were happening, but this seems to be a case of unrelated cases being strung together to form a conspiracy theory about a game that never existed, at least until Rogue Synapse, as well as others, created games by the same name. Also, it seems like the whole story may have been fabricated in order to drive traffic to the coinop.org website. If that's the case, well, it was quite a successful strategy. Maybe that was the real conspiracy all along. But what if it had existed? like the music and sound effects we're using on the Joey's Totally Tech podcast? Well, we get the licensing for this music through Epidemic Sound. If you're a content creator creating video on YouTube or other social media platforms, or a fellow podcaster, visit bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. That's bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. And you can sign up for a subscription for as little as $15 per month. They have a wide variety of genres of music, as well as sound effects you can incorporate into your content. You don't have to pay royalties, you just pay the monthly subscription fee. Or you can also buy lifetime licenses to particular tunes and effects too. So if you want to use some fresh music and help support this podcast too, check out bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic and sign up for Epidemic Sound today. Joe, so Polybius, when uh, when do you think you first heard about this? I think I first heard about it a couple of years ago, actually. It was either from uh, Lazy Game Reviews or just LGR, as most people know um, know him now, yeah. on YouTube. Or it could have been the Angry Video Game Nerd. I know he did an episode of it. I can't remember who I heard it from, but I know it was on YouTube where I learned about it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the first for me was Angry Video Game Nerd. I remember hearing about it like in college or maybe soon after. So this is like, you know, 07, 08, around that time. Um, but yeah, I remember when I first heard about it. I mean, I don't know. When I first heard it, I'm pretty practical dude. So I'm like, well, that's probably bull. But it did seem like an interesting enough story, at least. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people first learned about through The Simpsons, since it did appear on that uh, one episode. Though, um, 
I didn't watch The Simpsons myself. I guess that's because I was like such a strict, uh, hardcore Christian for so long, yeah, and yeah. I wasn't into that type of cartoon or that type of humor for a long time. Yeah, my parents were pretty uh, anti-Simpsons back then. I think it was a lot to do with, uh, I believe it was George H.W. Bush made a comment talking about he wants the American family to be more like the Waltons and less like the Simpsons. And uh, I think the fact that Bart kind of like talked back to his parents wasn't irrespectful, but uh, that kind of soured them onto it. But I still watch it anyway. They just didn't know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Polybius, I think a lot of people probably heard about it from that at least. And then, of course, there I think to- I've, I think I've seen that episode. I don't think it was really discussed from what I remember. I think it was just kind of like a background kind of joke. Right. But, but yeah. I'm sure some people uh, noticed it, and I'm sure there were discussions on the internet about it. Oh, yeah, with, for sure. They yeah. make discussions about anything. I mean. <laughs> right. Uh, so do you think this was actually a conspiracy by coinop.org to drive traffic to the website? Uh, I mean, it's possible. I mean, it could, it could be that, or it could just be a bunch of people, like you kind of mentioned, just kind of stringing together, you know, seemingly unrelated incidents, but trying to, you know, you can find patterns anywhere if you look hard enough. You know what right. I'm saying? Yes, you but, can. Uh, I mean, obviously, no one will ever really know. It's just one of those, right. you know, urban myths that, you know, will never be confirmed. So. Yeah. Do you think the United States government could actually use a video game in such a manner? Of course, we know that the United States government used America's army to train its soldiers. But uh, do we have any possibility of the government using uh, games for mind control or for recruiting purposes Uh, i guess it's possible i mean you know the government has you know experimented on people before like you know things like the tuskegee experiments things like that but um i mean if they're really trying to you know figure out a way to control people through you know video and audio cues then yeah i feel like uh, an arcade cabinet especially like uh at this time was would be a perfect way to do it you know right and i know i watched the david pakman show which he's a political commentator he doesn't get its conspiracy theories but they actually discussed that the mk ultra project did actually exist so that's a confirmed thing the government did actually try uh, its hand at mind control i don't think they were super successful from what yeah. i remember but they have uh, looked into mind control and to attempt to use it like drugs and other various means. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good movie, too. Did you ever see it? Uh, movie? Yeah, you didn't see that? It was, no, uh, yeah, it was I did not. MK Ultra. It was starring um, Kristen Stewart and I think Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, I'll, ha- I'll have to watch that, then. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And then there's another one. Did you ever watch uh, The Men Who Stare at Goats? No, I did not. It's a, I guess it's based on a true story. This one was with um, George Clooney and I think Hugh McGregor. Okay. And uh, it's about, I guess, the government was trying to, was experimenting, was using LSD to experiment on soldiers to try and get them to, like, learn how to read minds and stuff like that. You know, I, that does sound familiar now. David Pakman may have mentioned it, and yeah. that was one of the things he was talking about. They were using LSD. Yes, I remember now. Yes, he was talking about the men at Stare at Goats. Uh, definitely about MK Ultra, and he was talking about how that actually existed. That was a thing they did. 
Yeah, they're pretty good flicks, both of them. Obviously, they use some dramatic license to make it more cinematic, but the stories themselves are pretty interesting, I thought. Yes. So, I mean, of course, a lot of people in arcades at that time were using drugs. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was the 80s. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was probably easy bait for them if they really wanted to do it. Yeah, I mean, America was pretty anti-drug back then. So yeah. it's uh, apparently if you did a little blow, you were the lowest of the low in society. So. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, arcades were very shady places. It's like, it was not the family-friendly place that it became later. Yeah, see, I'm more familiar with, like, the arcades in, like, the early to mid-90s. That's kind of when I started going there. And it was right. Just mostly kids, so. Yeah, I think in the late 80s, we had an arcade in the Raleigh area called the Family Fun Factory for a few years. Yeah. That was a pretty cool place to hang out. That was my first real arcade experience, and that wasn't shady at all. I remember one of my earliest arcade memories was, um, well, when I was in elementary school, uh, I lived in Germany. Both my parents were in the military, and they were stationed in Germany. And um, we went to Austria one time, and we stayed at this hotel, and the hotel had a huge arcade in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then, Final Fight was my was my freaking game, man. Yeah. And uh, I was playing it, and I guess I was good, because this guy came up to me, and he started playing with me, and like... He was paying me essentially to show him how to play the game. Like he was basically not paying me cash, but like giving me quarters to play the game. But all right, yeah. So that was pretty fun for me. So yeah, you know, I think I really enjoyed uh, Streets of Rage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're both comparable. I think uh, Streets of Rage have the cool parts where you can have the freaking cops show up and shoot a bazooka at the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was never good at Streets of Rage, but I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed Double Dragon as well. I think games like that's hard to get good because it's kind of like it's so it's, it's a it gets to the point where it's like okay you're fighting six people plus a fat guy blowing fire at you at the same time, right. and obviously games like that are specifically designed to get you to pump more more quarters into them. They are, um, and then like space shooters like Galaga, Raiden, stuff like that, which I also enjoyed. Yeah, um, definitely uh, quarter hungry games that, that's like. Uh, money grabbers right there <laughs> i just remember back then like you know my mom would give me like 20 bucks and you know that'd be good for about like you know 15 20 minutes usually of uh peace and quiet from her so <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh so i mean it probably would have been a good opportunity for the government to uh introduce a game to uh test out mind control capabilities or um you know, I'm not sure about the soldier recruitment aspect of it, though. Yeah, it seems a little more, you know, last star, starfighters territory to me, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think with newer video games now, they could probably uh, do that, since we have so much more realistic graphics, and you can have games that are much more immersive. You could have, like, some sort of... Uh, chamber that you enter to play this game in that's like a first person shooter or even with like and, vr you know just right vr completely definitely. immersive you can't hear anything you yeah. can't see anything just what they're showing you yeah i think uh for uh recruiting soldiers i think the modern day is probably a better time for the military to do something like that but early 80s would have been better a better time for uh mind control testing yeah, 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 yeah. Well, with all the drugs going on, of course. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, do you think the government has actually been successful at all at mind control? Um, not mind control so much as 
mind influence. I mean, obviously, there's certain things you can do, like you know, hypnotism, things like that, right? Where you can, you know, or even just things like um, like mentalism, where you can yeah. influence people's decisions based on audio and visual cues. Yeah. So, obviously, that's a real thing. As far as like mind control, where I can, you know, shoot a beam in your eyeball and make you go make me a turkey sandwich. Yeah. That's maybe a little bit more far fetched, yeah. but. Hey, with the way, you know, AI and technology is advancing, who knows what could happen yeah. in the future. It's crazy stuff. But depending on who you ask, Russia may have been more successful at uh, mind influence. Well, I mean, didn't Putin win the election by, like, a clean <laughs> sweep? So, I mean, that's proof right there. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it's just um, really interesting. We don't know everything that the government does, and I think that's a big reason for conspiracy theories because the government isn't upfront about everything. I mean, at the same time, too, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not the type of person to think like, oh, well, the government has our best interests at heart 100% of the time because it's obviously that's not true. Right. But I do think that there are things in the name of national security you can't just leak to the public. Yes, that's true, too. There are national security issues, and that's a reason for a lot of the secrecy surrounding a lot of the government actions. We also know that the government has also done some pretty bad things to its own uh, military people and other people as well. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, so it's hard to trust the government, and of course we're going to have uh, conspiracies, uh, or conspiracy theories, rather, surrounding what the government does, and it it puts us in a weird position because most of these conspiracy theories are not true yet people are going to believe it anyway i think it's almost like a religion almost it's like you know people they're just looking for an answer and they come up with an explanation or they come across an explanation that kind of fits into their narrative that they form in their head and then especially with the internet now now you can come up with any freaking crackpot idea and that you want and you could probably find a few thousand people worldwide that'll agree with you. Yes. You know, that's why you got things like the Flat Earth Movement and things like, you know, you know, reptile societies yeah. running the United States. And like Bill that. Gates wants to in- insert chips into you. Yo, burn down those freaking 5G towers, bro. We're, yeah. all, we're all dying to death. I'm all about some Doritos being inserted into me, though. I mean, are they nacho cheese flavor? Doritos? What are you talking about? <laughs> chips. Oh, those kind of chips. Okay. Yeah. It went right over your head, Antonio. <laughs> Just like those 5G towers. Yeah. I think you're an op, Joey. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I think a lot of these conspiracy theories are probably formed much the same way as this Polybius uh, conspiracy theory. We just had a lot of unrelated events strung together. Yeah. There's probably a lot of truth to a lot of these things, but the overall story is not quite true. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, uh, I kind of liken it akin to, like I said, religion almost. Like you know, back in the day, you know, they didn't know anything about science or anything. So if you're, you know, a tribe of nomads, and you come across a volcano, you don't know what's going on. That would freak mm-hmm. the crap out of you. Like, oh my god, there's fire shooting out of the mountain. So they're like, well, what do we like? Oh, you know what's awesome? Goat and virgins. So we'll yeah. throw some goats and some virgins in there, and then you know. The volcano's dormant for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And they're like, okay, so we'll just keep throwing all this stuff in there and that'll appease whatever's down there causing it. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, so, you know, like I said, people are looking for an answer 
and then they jump to conclusions and then obviously if the volcano doesn't erupt after you do what you do then you're gonna think oh well this will be the reason why so mm-hmm. and then when other people see that then they're gonna believe the same thing right now one final question let's uh just assume what if polybius were real uh i mean i'm sure like it'd be just another line item on the endless list of shady things that the government has done so i mean if it was real okay yeah (laughs) i mean (laughs) right would that mean that they would have put out more games that were kind of uh mind control experiments i don't don't know over time honestly i think most modern video games are mind control experiments paid for by like the mountain dew company oh ah, (laughs) wow yeah maybe that's why i drink so much mountain dew i need to stop drinking mountain dew guys all right (laughs) they say it lowers your sperm count joe yeah i've heard that it's not it's not true i used to drink mountain dew like it was going out of style and uh I have a kid, so... <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to drink gallons of that stuff for it to affect you, like, all at one time. Oh. I yeah. used to drink a lot, though. I used to... My second job I ever had was at a hotel. It was a Hyatt in Virginia. Uh-huh. And for every day for breakfast, and I'm not making this up, I would have, you know, the 64-ounce double gulps from... Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, I would drink half Mountain Dew, half orange juice, and then eat a cream cheese bagel with salmon. I would have that oh, for wow. breakfast every morning. Wow. <laughs> I had metabolism back then. I was in my early 20s. And I'm going to blame that on Polybius. Damn you, Polybius. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, Antonio, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I think we went pretty in-depth. Yeah. All right. This has been Joey Cagle. And Antonio Guerra. Sorry about that noise there. We will catch you next time. Peace. Peace.